The following program contains material that may be disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to Queen He's like, hey, let me just I'm not just, touch I'm you. I'm just voguing if, this if you, whole time. If you want to put your arm on no, the No, I know. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I don't, I don't want the first frame of an episode being like, hey, I'm super casual and totally welcome here. No. I'm going to ease in. It's a visual medium. Okay, let's just get into it. Let's just, we're just going to do it. Every time I have like a guest or a new person or something, I'm always like, how do I podcast? I forget. Hi. Welcome to Corn on the Macabre. I'm Katie Adkins. I'm Hunter Moore. And I'm David Gossett. And we're going to talk about cryptids, mostly Mothman. (laughs) Consider this your official Mothman episode, because I feel like that's mostly what we're going to be talking about. Here we have, I'm so excited to have David Gossett here, (laughs) who is a self-proclaimed, are you a self-proclaimed Mothman, like, enthusiast? I I would say... Not an expert, I would say definitely a, an appreciator. An appreciator. A hobbyist. I very specifically yes. didn't do any research on Mothman because I was like, no, I need to save this all <laughs> for David. Uh, David also has podcasts that he does himself. If you want to do a little self plugs, my personal right. favorite is uh, Remedial Juggonomics. Yes, yeah. So um, there are two. Uh, both of them are on uh, one of them and definitely infinite hiatus. Another one when I get back to it. Uh, Remedial Juggonomics is a track-by-track odyssey through the musical career of the Insane Clown Posse. I still remember that patter. Um, you can find it online. <laughs> there is also Unfollow the Revolution, which was created with me, uh, Ben Mitchell, and David Nair, uh, back when, uh, Trump became president. That has absolutely nothing at all to do with the content of what we did. But anyway, um, <laughs> I don't even know if it's hosted anywhere. Look for it on YouTube, because I think it all got taken off of SoundCloud. Sure. All right. The RSS feed is no more. The RSS feed is uh, like my dreams. It's all buried. No. Anyway. <laughs> I like how it just says mug. mug. I just mine says weirdest. So, uh, what inspired me to pick this topic was really g- gossip. Was like, I was like, hey, I, will you want to do an episode? What would it be on? He was like, Mothman. <laughs> so that's what happened. How did you get into Mothman? I have to ask. <clears throat> so the way I got into Mothman was the way I got into uh, most things as like a thirteen-year-old boy in middle school. Yeah. Which is like, I had a lot of time, a lot of free time. I wasn't social. I wasn't going to talk to anybody. So I would go to the library and they would have like either books about bounty hunters from Star Wars, Hank the Cow Dog, or um, stuff about UFOs and the paranormal. Hank the Cow Dog? Hank the Cow Dog. He was a, a dog who worked, he worked on a farm and he had some other friends. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. Oh, like a cowboy. Yeah. I thought it was a cow who thought he was a dog. He was alone <laughs> in the world with a little cow dog, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but I would read those books and it would just be like, hey, here's a spooky thing that happened in the 70s. And I'd read that and be like, yeah, that is, that is a spooky thing that happened. <laughs> and then it got to Mothman. And then there were so many weird things about Mothman. Uh, Mothman is like part one of that iceberg. There is so much more about the whole Point Pleasant oh experience. 
okay, so Point Pleasant is a real... I literally know nothing about Mothman. Point Pleasant is a real place where he was spotted? Yes. I've heard of Point Pleasant, and I always thought it was a fictional place from something. It, it, it definitely sounds like it should be like a fake postcard town. Because it kind of has a look, it's like a very picturesque small town. Yeah. Um, it was on the, uh, you know, on the West Virginia side of the Ohio River. In fact, there was a bridge that went over across into Ohio, which is also important to the Mothman story. Okay. Uh, the Silver Bridge, and we'll get into that All right. a little bit oh. as well. But yeah, like it's a weird picturesque thing. Plus the fact that it's in West Virginia. I am not from West Virginia. I have a lot of family in West Virginia. It's a beautiful country. Um, maybe not that part of it, but... <laughs> West Virginia can be very nice and then also very rural and very flat. I see. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know if I've ever actually been to West Virginia. But is West Virginia actually west of Virginia on the map? I don't know the map it's that like well. It's like northwest. Yeah. Virginia so it is kind of goes like, whoop, it's like a mountain. Man. And then West Virginia is like sitting on a side of the mountain. How lazy. I know, like, the early settlers <laughs> to name them. Well, that's Virginia. And this is kind of west. I don't know. I guess West Virginia. So, fun fact. Uh, West Virginia was actually formed uh, right around the time of the Civil War. West Virginia was the, the Virginia that did not want slaves. Oh, my so God. So, they, like the, they were the morally better okay. They were like, yeah. <laughs> so, they really should have named themselves the morally better okay Moral Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. Moral Virginia versus, yeah. like, racist Virginia. Yeah, you know. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> So Hunter has some fun cryptid stories for us. Sort of, yeah. So I... Not Mothman related, but not, still cryptid fun. Definitely not Mothman related. But I <laughs> wanted a little a little palate, not palate cleanser, an appetizer, so and, to speak. And a moose-bouche. A Mothman appetizer. Cryptids are not my forte, so to speak. Um, but I found a really fun article. It's just a list of animals that people thought were cryptids until they found out that they're actually just real animals. Like narwhals. Yes. <laughs> okay. Actually. I meet so many people who think reindeer and narwhals were not real at some point in time. <laughs> yeah, they thought reindeer weren't real because reindeer, you know, flying, they thought it was like just Santa's flying creatures. <laughs> And didn't realize it's a real animal that just can't fly. That's literally it. I mean, there are all these animals that for so long, like, right. only, like, native tribes or indigenous people, like, have ever spotted them because they were, like, very reclusive animals or something. Yeah. And so it wouldn't be until, like, the 20th century that, like, some white man was like, oh, no, okay, I, I say that this is real now. The first one is something called an okapi, which is a blend of a zebra, a donkey, a deer... And an antelope. Okay. So it has like striped legs, but it has like the body of an antelope. Oh, I think I've seen those. It's not in person, but like <laughs> I've seen them like online. And I would be surprised shit. if you saw one because they are native to Central Africa. Um, but yeah, no, not, not in person. <laughs> they're rarely seen, and they kind of hang out in a forest where no one ever goes. It's most closely related to a giraffe, but people called it for the longest time. Um, the African unicorn, because it was so oh. rarely ever seen, and people just didn't think it was real, because the native people would be like, there's this animal, and then maybe occasionally someone would see it. Does it have horns? Um, I think so. Okay, hmm. because 
uh, back in medieval times, people used to kill various African antelope and creatures that have, like, spinny horns and then sell them to people in Europe as unicorn horns that can, Mm. like, have healing magic powers. And they would, like, lie where they got it from and, like, sell it off as that. So I'm wondering if, like, in a way, these it was kind of a unicorn for people. Maybe. Um, it wasn't until 1901 that um, Sir Harry Johnston, so a white man, um, found... <laughs> That's the whitest man. <laughs> Sir, Sir Harry, Harry Johnston. Johnston. <laughs> um, he found an Okapi skeleton in the skin. He sent it to a museum, and then it was classified as a new species for reals. Realsies. Yes. Um... The next one is the platypus. Ooh. I believe that as a cryptid. Yes. <laughs> I'm still not convinced it's real. It's so cute, it's, though. But it doesn't make any, it makes no sense to me. It's a, it's a, it looks like a combination. I mean, I feel like most people know this, but a duck, an otter, and a beaver. Yep. Mm-hmm. All at the same time. Like, if you, like, imagine, though, if you hadn't seen a platypus and some guy was like, I saw this animal that, like, Looked like it had a beak, but it also had like a flat tail, like a beaver. But I also kind of wanted to cuddle it because it looked cute. Like but an like, otter. Would you? It's the beak thing. It's yeah. the beak for me. It's, it's the beak. beak. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, it, that's that's what throws me off. And there was this whole search, like people were determined to find the platypus, um, and like kind of like how people yeah. go look for like Bigfoot and stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, they went <laughs> look for the platypus. Was it called the platypus before it was officially discovered? Um. I, we don't that, know. That I don't know. Okay, I was just curious. Because um, it's a wild name. But, like, yeah. all of these, like, zoologists and anatomists and, like, scientist people all thought that, like, it was a scam. Like, it was a hoax to try to, like, get one over on the scientific community. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then a physician, Robert Knox. Oh, wait, no. He also thought it was... Okay. Um, because he found um, a pelt at a, at a taxidermist, and he was like, "No, this is fake, um, fake news." Except it was a real pelt. <laughs> Except it? Yeah. it was definitely. A real oh pelt. my god! What an <laughs> asshole! Yes. Um. Yeah. Eventually, some white people found plot of plot of pie. Plot of pie. Plot of pie. I heard. Pl- I heard the eye thing is like not like it's optional. I thought. I think you can be like s's now. Platypuses. I don't like it. Be, I uh, like platypi. It sounds better. Oh, platypi. Okay, well, eventually... <sighs> I think it sounds nice. Eventually, yeah. some sounds people like found real-life living <sighs> plat- platypi, and it was real. Um, Excellent. The last one No, <laughs> first off, though, I like to think the very scientific discovery was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> like, what? He wasn't kidding. No, bananas. This is crazy. Look at that thing. Look at it go. Are they aquatic creatures? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Anything I mean, about the they, they're really good swimmers. You know what? I would absolutely. They're also on land. They you got know, some venom in their hind legs. Oh. Mm-hmm. You want to know what I would they absolutely really? believe? Are yeah. you shitting me right now? No. Their venom is in their hind legs. They have a little bit of venom in their hind legs. They How can do just kind of like. So they like stab you with their toes and like kind of yeah. you. Yeah. So it's like. <laughs> so it's like if if you're like you know hugging something and then you had like some stilettos or something you were just like fuck me. that's kind of how a, how a platypus 
It doesn't like so, often do that, yeah. But like if it hasn't defended itself, yeah. Wow. From what I understand, anyway. I never knew if there that was platypus is an Australian creature, right? Yeah. Okay, if I had to believe any Australian creature didn't exist after being described to me, I would think it was a fucking kiwi. <laughs> Kiwis don't look real to me. They're, they're so, so cute. cute and weird looking, they're so cute. but they're they're just nondescript. They're little potatoes with and legs. Exactly. Yeah. They're just nondescript enough. I'd be like, I'm sorry, a fluffy hush puppy with a beak is running around with like no arms. Like that's what it looks like. It looks like a hush puppy running around with like no arms and like this really long, like pointy needle like beak. Right. I would not believe that thing was real. <laughs> so the last one is my favorite. Okay. Um, and it is the kangaroo. Oh, I can oh, see that. I okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Kangaroos are terrifying. If if you don't know. How do you they're just... Yeah. Hor- they're they're, they're fucking scared. They're jacked. Mm-hmm. And they're mean. And they will fuck you up so fast. Their tail is too muscular. And it makes me uncomfortable. That being <laughs> said. That being said. That being said. First description of a kangaroo was made by the Amerigo Vespucci. In 1499, um, when he was traveling along the southern coast of Australia, he described it as a monstrous beast with the head of a fox, the hands of a man, the tail of a monkey, and a bag that is used to carry its young. I would absolutely (laughs) think that's a cryptid. Absolutely. I'd be like, hands of a man? I don't fucking think so. (laughs) And also, gorillas were thought to be cryptids for a long time, too. So, like, even if you were like, no, those are just gorilla hands, like, even that is like, no, Uh, it's still a cryptid. Oh, wow. When were gorillas officially found? Um, (laughs) I can look it up later. I don't know, but they were on the list, but I don't know. Gorillas seem like, it seems less exciting. Like, I can see gorillas being, like, an animal. Fair, yeah. But maybe that's just me watching Tarzan a lot. Um, so, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so um, in 1629, Francisco Pelsart, P-E-L-S-A-E-R-T. Pelsart. 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 Yeah, him. Um, captured a kangaroo, but then it died on the voyage, um, so it didn't count. Wait! So, how does it not count? How does it not count? It's still, like, a creature intact. It didn't fall apart. But it's not alive, so it could be fake. Put it in a salt barrel. It it's fine. It could be fake. Do an autopsy. Take it to a doctor or a vet. Let them well, decide. Well, they found the, the stuffed platypus, and they thought he was fake. But that was different. That was taxidermy. <laughs> this one's not taxidermy. It might as well be. Stick a stick on it. It still has all of its organs intact. Yeah. Like, that'd be so much effort for it to be fake. Look, this article says that it wasn't until Sir Joseph Banks rediscovered the kangaroo on Captain Cook's voyage in 1770, over 100 years later. Yeah, I imagine that dude who found the kangaroo decided his dead kangaroo wasn't good enough. I just imagine him sitting in some sort of, like, tavern, like, <laughs> and, like drinking with, like, his grizzled beard, and he'll be like... I know what I saw. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, the fucking kangaroo. We've heard it. And he's just like, you weren't there. It had the arms of a man, I tell you. He's just at the tavern at the dock. And they're like, you'll never believe it. They found what they call a kangaroo. You motherfucker. He 
he's 118 years old somehow. For and some... he's like on his cane. He's like, I fucking told you. He's been walking around with like a, a necklace of the kangaroo skull all these years. And he's like, uh, I've had it. It's right here. Oh my God. It's my wife. They're hip hoppies. <laughs> They're hip hoppies. <laughs> Hit me up at night. Kangaroo was rediscovered by Sir Joseph Banks in 1770. Um, and it was officially changed from a myth to an actual species. Amazing. Right. And so that's my little tidbit on animals that were once thought to be cryptids. I like the scientific so, yeah. scoreboard that they had. Yeah. It was just like actual, not actual. Yeah. They just had to like this scrape one, out the yeah, whiteboard. Stupid. This one, okay, we saw that one. And they were they were particular. <laughs> they wanted real fucking live proof. None of this dead carcass shit. They're like, I don't uh-uh. I don't want to see the dead carcass of a gorilla that thinks fake. Um, <laughs> so I have my, I guess my own mini list of cryptids I thought were real as a child. Okay. <laughs> uh, number one being a jackalope. I straight up thought jackalopes were real for some fucking reason. It was mostly from the a Scooby-Doo movie I saw Are where they? Shaggy saw a jackalope. Really? A jackalope is just a rabbit. A rabbit. A rabbit. <laughs> a rabbit with antlers like a deer. Yeah. And so I thought that that was, re- I mean, I thought that was a reasonable thing to I exist. I like the idea of that. that I thought it was reasonable. I thought it was a desert creature. And I thought that it was just rare spottings. Like, you don't see it often. And I thought people just had a hard time hunting it. And I completely thought it was real. I thought it was real for way too fucking long until, like, high school or somehow it got brought up, and I was like, and I learned through being quiet that it wasn't real. And I was like, it is real. <laughs> I just mostly have this memory of watching some Scooby-Doo movie, and, like, Shaggy saw a jackalope, and, like, they didn't believe him. And I thought that they didn't believe him that he saw one. Not that they didn't think it didn't exist. <laughs> so it was a big misunderstanding in childhood there. <laughs> the other cryptid I thought existed were dragons. So I thought dragons... We're just extinct and that they used to be real because we have dinosaurs and lizard stuff. I was a dragon. I was a very confused child. (laughs) One cryptid, though, that I was absolutely like, no, I don't think that's real is a unicorn, which I also think is a more reasonable thing to have thought existed versus a dragon. But that's just me. There were, there were enough, like, British folklore that was like, yeah, man, dragons were all up in here, man. I kept, I was like, why would so many places have dragons in their stories yeah. in ancient times if they weren't, like, kind of real? That's how I felt about witches. I always, for the longest yeah. time, I thought witches, like, like, evil, scary witches. Yeah were like super real and I still to this day have a recurring nightmare where oh, no. I have where I'm like a shepherd and I have these sheep and this witch steals all of my sheep and takes them to her castle and I have to go rescue my sheep and but I have to I I have to count them as I'm rescuing them. <laughs> Heck yeah. Hunter, I so think this was like, your past life. So it's like there's the, like the escape but I have to be like okay one okay Two, okay, three. I still to this day have the same fucking dream, and it's the worst because I can never keep track. I well, I never feel like I save them all because I end up like stopping at some random number, and then the dream's over, and I don't know if that's all of the sheep or not. So, like, I could have fucking 
a thousand sheep in there. I don't know. That's a lot of sheep. That's a thousand <laughs> sheep. That's a lot to well, keep like, track of for one shepherd. Yeah. I don't know. I fall asleep by like fifty. You know. So Hocus Pocus was a real uh, was a real no. nail biter as this a was kid. Your yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> no, they, no. I'm I'm talking like uh, like with, uh, Wicked Witch of the East. That sort of like creepy, scary looking, ah, like okay. yeah, old hag hand, like the, yeah. the, the, the hag, the witch from Snow White. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. she was scary in your defense. Yeah, and I mean, I, like I, it was probably like 10, 11 when I was like, okay, whatever. But yeah, just like the like real spooky, like ugly, like gnarled witches. <laughs> So my childhood fear was being forced into marriage because that was in okay. a lot of movies growing up that we watched, like Princess Bride, namely main big one. Right. Yeah. I thought that was like a legitimate thing that could happen. I really thought people could just kidnap me and force me to marry them. And I had recurring dreams about it a lot, like not realizing I can just like leave. What's terrifying about is that that is like a real thing. It, so it, it is, day. but, like, I thought it was, like, more relevant to my life than it really is. It is it is a thing, yes. People do actually kidnap children and force them to marry people. But in my brain, it was a little bit more like I'm an adult and, like, my neighbor can just decide they're marrying me and I don't get a say. It, so, was, it was more like a less kid. Yeah. It was less kid. Like, it was, like, some yeah. kind of kidnappy, but not, like... So you thought, it was a, you thought it was a concern in the same way as a kid. You were like, I'm going to have to stop, drop, and roll like yeah. three times in my yeah. life. And I also, thought, I need to know what to do with quicksand. Charlie. That was my quicksand. <laughs> yeah, being forced to like marry my neighbor yeah. was like my quicksand or okay. something. Like I thought some prince could show up and be like, you have to marry me even though I'm Lord Farquaad and short and ugly. And I was like, fuck, I didn't ask for that. I didn't mean to be here. Like... Who's going to take me? Where am I going to live? No one's coming to get me. Like, <laughs> like that was, <laughs> I had this one weird recurring dream where some weird, like, Lord Farquaad-esque prince was forcing me to marry him. For some reason, Kirby was the officiator. And it was, yeah, yeah, that was, oh, no, no, it was Jigglypuff. Sorry, it was Jigglypuff. Oh, yeah. Not Kirby, they had a microphone. It was Jigglypuff. Was like... Wait, so so Jigglypuff had to do it because they had the PA equipment? Is that why? Okay, cool. Yeah. And it was in my neighbor's house. And the whole time I was trying to think, which I lived across the street. So I remember in the dream looking out the window and seeing my house being like, I got to get back to my house. I got to get out of this. Is this a German family? No, 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 no. This was uh, my uh, a friend of mine, a different friend of mine growing up. I Basically where I lived... The three houses around me were all kids my age, and we were all friends. That so, actually kind of sounds like the worst. So the one, di- so the one diagonal from me was the one I was being forced to marry, Lord Barquad essentially, in their living room. Um, the German family was the one directly next to me, and then another family was directly across. This was the diagonal one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which I was at their house like obsessively every day, so it makes sense for my dreams to be set in their house <laughs> instead of my own. Fair enough. <laughs> I literally would just like walk in their house unannounced. <laughs> Some cozy times to sit by the made-up yeah. fire. We'll pretend one of those monitors over there have a fire on it yeah. as we all curl around to hear a good old tale about Mothman. Yeah, we had ourselves a cheeky little tea break. You, you didn't know? know this. This was a Christmas special. <laughs> Mothman <laughs> is a Christmas treat. You know, uh, you're not the you're not the farthest off. 
<laughs> and in fact, uh, in fact, the the big uh, kind of starting point for all this, um, from the time of recording here, is about ten days away uh, because the initial um, kind of report that sort of started the whole Mothman craze uh, occurred on November fifteenth. Oh my gosh! Nineteen sixty six, I believe. Let me consult my little notesy wotsies here. Notesy wotsies. Notesy wotsies. A little bit. Notesy wotsies. Yeah. So. Uh, November 15th, 1966. Uh, we're setting the scene. Again, we're going uh, back in time. Put on your time travel hats. And uh, back to the 60s. Uh, the world is a much different place. Uh, we're in the small town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Like I said, small, picturesque, uh, you know. Is it pleasant? Of, it is quite pleasant, actually. It's not necessarily too, like, rural or anything like that. A lot of people that lived in the town... Uh, generally had pretty well-to-do jobs, you know, across the bridge every day, over in Ohio, you know, working at plants, factories, things like oh, that. Oh, so it's on the uh, border of Ohio and West Virginia? Yeah, so it's right in the Ohio River Valley region. Around the area, there is a place uh, that was a former World War II munitions plant. Um, a lot of locals called it the TNT area. And it was generally a spot where it was just, once it closed down, all the bunkers that had all the explosives and stuff were kind of like boarded up, uh, the factory itself, a lot of the important stuff was taken out, but like the bunkers themselves and, you know, the walls of the factory and all that still around. A lot of teens would go there just to hang out, party, drink, Absolutely. all that good stuff. Oh, like yeah. Good fucking time to me. Pretty much, yeah. And that is uh, where we start our, our scene is with, um, they're always described as a young couple, like as young people, like they're two married couples. But then oh. again, this is also like the 60s where it's like, it's out of high school, I guess I'm marrying you. You like absolutely could be 18 and become oh. like a young married couple. Yeah, yeah. So we had uh, Roger and Linda Scarberry and uh, their friends Steve and Mary Millette were all driving along trying to go to the TNT area. Now, what were they going to do? Who could say? Uh, probably nothing illicit because they're married, so whatever. <laughs> they're, just, uh, they're going to do their, their uh, group drugs. Yes. Uh, as we all know, West Virginia is for love. But we may also find that West Virginia is, in fact, for Mothman. Well, actually, Ohio is for lovers. Virginia. Oh, yeah. And they're driving over to Ohio. West Virginia is for lovers. I thought it was Ohio. Well, Ohio just because the emo song. I don't think Ohio well, no, should Virgi- have anything Virginia's good. quote, I know, because their license plate says Virginia is for lovers, which has always confused me because, like, what about Virginia? <laughs> it's Thanks. romantic. Thanks to Hawthorne Heights, I legit thought it was Ohio's license plate. When I, I said that, Virginia, I think of like like the founding fathers who were just racist assholes. So yeah, yeah. I don't find it very a very loving state. Yeah, personally. but a lot of those founding fathers were also in like weird cults though. And if you believe Batman comics, Thomas Jefferson summoned a demon called Barbatos. Anyway, I believe that. Yeah, I buy that. That's canon now. That's canon for life. Thomas <laughs> Jefferson, shitty dude, also summoned demons. While they were on the way, uh, one of the passengers was like, hey, I think I see something. And just, like, saw these, like, kind of reflecting off these lights, like these big, glowing red eyes. Um, And they were like, well, maybe it's just, like, catching light or something. And then they, like, moved. And then they, like, went up in the air. They flew. Yes. And then it was, like, starting to fly towards them. So they were like, (laughs) what the hell? So they do a turnaround. And they're like, they get a little bit away, and then they try and go back, because they're like, what the hell was that? They go back to the TNT area, take a look around. They, you know, they can't find anything at the moment, and so they're like heading back, and then they catch a glimpse of it again. (gasps) And so it starts flying again. 
and it starts following them and it starts keeping pace with them. At oh, this point, no. they're driving like pretty much full on and they're like, something is following us. Something is chasing us. You know, it's dark. They can't really make out too much. But, you know, they get, uh, you know, out of the TNT area. They start heading toward Point Pleasant. Uh, eventually, it does leave them. And they go to the local, like, sheriff. And they're like, hey, we were out of the TNT area. This thing is chasing us. It's big, giant eyes and wings. Big fucking wings. And it was, like, doing all that. And even according to the sheriff, they were like, look. Normally, some teens come around, say they just came from the TNT area, and they've seen some weird stuff. <laughs> Chances are they're probably on drugs. <laughs> it's like, but these kids were pretty, you know, they're Sober. they're good kids, you know. They're the good kids. They're good kids. So, you know, it was, uh, it was like, okay, this is a weird thing. Next day, there's a report. Uh, Mothman does not have a name yet, but they were like, you know, uh, two couples find flying monster creature thing, in, <laughs> you know, in Point Pleasant. And this starts up uh, essentially what you could dub Mothman Fever. Uh, the actual name Mothman uh, was just sort of like coined by one of the editors at one of the papers. Um, the going theory is just the Batman 66 live action series was popular <laughs> at the time. And there were characters like, you know, Killer Moth and all that stuff. So Mothman just seemed like a catchy thing to get thrown to. And then I feel like if I had seen <clears throat> glowing red eyes, black flies towards me, I immediately would have thought giant bat yeah. man. A I'm, just, I'm surprised it went to moth instead yeah. of bat. Could they yeah. like specifically see the antenna? So no. Uh, so in terms of descriptions of what people had seen was generally just like a very like dark figure, very murky, uh, humanoid, definitely uh jacked physique like cut it was shredded like lettuce this guy like yeah abs like a ninja turtle like um very tall roundabout like probably seven to eight feet and then with like a really big wingspan um there were other reports that came around around this time so like volunteer firemen were like yeah we saw something like that we just um, didn't want to say anything because we knew we'd sound fucking nuts exactly and so there were a lot of reports that started kind of coming out of like i had seen things like this recently in the area so yeah a lot of people around town started reporting that they had been seeing things like this as well you know ways that it moved were a little bit different sometimes they only saw it when it was in the air sometimes it was just standing on the ground looking at them sometimes people didn't even necessarily remember seeing a head it was more just seeing the eyes almost at like the shoulder points um oh that's why i've seen just okay yeah I've yeah so it's more like, like a little shadowy depictions okay. like that yeah and then a lot of times people said that they had seen it take off but it didn't take off in the sense of like its wings flapped like that's not what it did it just the wings went out and it just went under which mm. is uh defies the laws of physics much like a human-sized person trying to fly with wings also defies the laws of physics <laughs> but you get my meaning it's yeah weird. <clears throat> so this started getting a lot of people actively looking for mothman in west virginia and by that i mean like people would just come out like huge groups at a time out to the TNT area with flashlights and they're like, we're going to find that dude. We're going to get it all figured out. <laughs> now, I'm going to put a pin in that right now because we have to talk about another thing which was happening at the time in West Virginia. This time, uh, like 65 to 67, is what was regarded as kind of a UFO flap. Uh, flaps are essentially a term for just large amounts of activity. Um, so a lot of like UFOs and lights in the sky and whatnot were spotted in West Virginia at this time. 
not necessarily in the Point Pleasant area, but all around the region. And it was a thing of like, you know, with some regularity, you could go out in the hills, be alone in the quiet, and you're probably going to see some type of celestial body that may not necessarily uh, be expected to be there at any given time. Certain people, uh, like John Keel, who actually wrote the Mothman Prophecies, tends to intertwine these things together and say that they are connected in some way. I don't necessarily know. I couldn't speak to that. I'm not a uh, ufologist, as I said. I am, I am, I am merely the, the arbiter. I know it was a long time when I did this research. Oops, sorry about the clinking. Um, but I'm pretty sure the very first recorded account of um, UFO abduction was the late 50s. Yeah, Barney and Betty Hill... In 1961, so it was yeah. about this time, and it was also around that time where they said that the the aircraft that it was claimed that an aircraft was uh, found mm-hmm. in uh, like New Mexico, and that's part right. of where they like took it for like Area 51 when Area 51 kind of was born and all that stuff. Yes, and around that time of the that initial abduction, that was the beginnings of like Project Blue Book, which was the U.S. Air Force's legitimate looking into of uh, these reports and what. Right. And for that time, like 60 to 62, the person in charge of Project Blue Book was actually, like, doing his job. Like, oh, he was like, okay, nice. let's have a standardized list of questions we can ask people. Let's try and categorize this. Let's rationally think about it. Uh, some other stuff happened in D.C. around 63 or 64, I believe. And uh, there was a committee on that. And the official recommendation of that committee is, hey, let's have people not fucking think about UFOs for a while. Because there were some bright lights that were over Washington, D.C. And we need them to not think about that. So Project Blue Book, very much its mission changed to let's not investigate these things, let's write them off as quickly as possible, and if anything, let's actively suppress this information. Cool. Um, so this kind of dovetails in with uh, what's been going on in that area. Around the time of these Mothman reports, people saying, hey, we're seeing weird stuff. We're seeing Mothman. We're seeing lights. Um, people that were more on the outskirts started getting interesting visitors. So they started getting people knocking on their doors at, you know, weird hours of the night uh, and being like, hi, we represent so-and-so. We're a secretary of uh, this individual. Uh, Can we come in and ask you some questions? Hi, are you this name? It's possible that you've inherited a large amount of money. Can we ask you some questions? And then it was like, yeah. And then these individuals were always remarked as being like, something was always a little bit off about like, either yeah. their style of clothing was, like, two decades older than it should be. Or they were driving, like, pristine 1930s cars. Or they would just show up and there were no cars around them at all. Their clothes didn't fit right. They didn't seem to understand, like, pins and things like that. This matches they were wizards. No, they were aliens. Potentially. I think they were wizards. So it sounds like this, wizards trying to pass on muggles. This, this, my, my Hunter can't go we'll through an episode without referencing Harry Potter. <laughs> Look, we all have our, our ex- areas of expertise, okay? It's okay. The first 20 episodes of this podcast, Kelly and I literally couldn't get through an episode without referencing Buffy. <laughs> like we literally couldn't do it. That, that's so I get it. Yeah. I get it. I, I totally get it. it. I can't help it. Yeah, there's a that matches up with a mass abduction that happened um, in Georgia in 1979. Actually, was that um, after the abduction, it, people's like basically their memories were like 
for the most part wiped, but they were like they're in is in the military. They were right, in, yeah. they're in formation, and then all of a sudden they're in formation still, and it was three hours later. Yeah, but they were at a different spot, and their clothes were put back on wrong, which is a huge thing yeah. for the military. Like you cannot have your shoes untied or your right. buttons mismatched, like that sort of thing. And it was like everybody. Yeah, their clothes were kind of like off and wrong, and then after a while, some of the people there were off and wrong and would like wear their clothes wrong and shit like that. So yeah, like that's a that's a thing of people noticing these things, and even at the time, they're like, when we were talking to them. Everything seemed normal, and then afterwards we started realizing, like, how many things were wrong about this. Yeah. Um, like, people coming in, you know, in the middle of winter in West Virginia wearing, like, really thin, like, shirts and shorts. And not being bothered at all by it. And just things like that. Because all the questions that these people would ask were about, like, oh, have you ever seen any UFOs? Have you ever seen any mothman or anything like that? And then, you know, kind of leading the conversation of like, well, it's my understanding that these things are all hoaxes and you really shouldn't even spread word about that. That just seems like dangerous talk to me. And kind of going around trying to get people to not talk about these things. Very strong. Oh my God, that also happened at that military base. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, continue. No, Um, but like, so a lot of people were like, oh, well, that's the government. And some people were like, no, that's, that wouldn't be the government. The government's not like... If, there's, if the U.S. Air Force is sending out people to not talk about that, they're not going to be that weird about it. They'd yeah. probably, like, send out a letter and be like, hey, national security, you shouldn't do this. And people started getting weird, like, phone calls. Like, it would just, they'd pick up and they would hear what might sound like weird, heavy breathing, but a lot of people remarked it sounds more like a phonograph if it's hit the end of a record. And it just wow. kind of, like, hits that weird sort of, like, clicking and it just sort of a... a mechanical hum as it were um so it's just like this weird sort of mechanical thing that's happening and it was just like like clockwork every night you'd get these calls and people would hear like weird knocks on or like on or around their houses like someone's walking on the roofs they would uh like have people come around saying they're with like these particular companies and stuff and like checking out their lines and whatnot but again there's still these weird individuals that are wearing clothing that doesn't make sense. Some of them are even wearing, like, shiny, like, silver-like clothing. Um, one individual gave one a ride. It was a traveling... He was, like, a salesman. His name's Woodrow Derenberger. Derenberger? Woodrow Derenberger. His, his audio recordings, because they were interviews with this guy, he always sounds like just the nicest West Virginia man, and he was talking about how he was driving along, and he saw this large craft... Outside, there was an individual, and and he spoke to me. He did not use his mouth to speak to me, but in his mind, I I could hear him speak to me. Oh, my God. And he said, my name is Indrid Cold, and I mean you no harm. And Woodrow... My my, my ship crashed. Can you help? Well, yeah, it was like, Woodrow Derenberg is like, oh, what am I supposed to do? And it was like, this guy, this individual, uh, who was just next to what was obviously some type of craft, according to Woodrow Derenberger, uh, asterisk, asterisk, I, I'm a skeptic, so I always want to be like, but also, this could be wrong. Said that, you know, this guy psychically talked to him on the road and was like, I don't mean you any harm. I'm not from here. Where is here? Can you tell me about this place? Where, where are your sitting? You know, where do your people gather? What do you do? And all that stuff. And it seemed less like trying to suppress information as much as it was just trying to learn things about the area. So... 
<clears throat> on the one hand, we could be thinking aliens, things from another world, uh, that are here to do their own weird, nefarious things. Or as Hunter attests, maybe they're wizards. <laughs> maybe they're wizards. I they really like muggles. I sit in the middle. Uh, because I don't think they're extraterrestrials. I think they are what you would call ultra-terrestrials, which are beings that are on, like, a different wavelength from us. Sometimes they kind of intersect with us, but they're on a different sort of thing. What is an ultra-terrestrial? My, my easiest way of describing it would be the fae. Okay. Like, okay. the fair folk. Okay, so, like, parallel dimensions, semi-like crossover worlds. I, that's how I tend to think of it. As, okay. like... You like know. fables, but it happened. Yeah, basically. So, uh, for those of you <clears throat> who haven't, I guess, played Wolf Among Us or read the comic book Fables, it is about all of the grim fairy tale characters. Every fairy tale character you've ever heard in your life, their world got destroyed. They had to assimilate into our world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a not good show that I believe ripped it off called Once Upon a Time, and they are not the same fucking thing. They are very fucking different. <laughs> and uh fables is better in my humble opinion because they all know exactly who they are there's no like amnesia like whatever so it'd be like that yeah so the way i tend to figure it is like these would be the same types of of beings that just tend to redefine themselves depending on what they're interacting with so so do the dragons are real in a way yeah (laughs) because one thing I did notice is, like, from the initial report of what the Mothman looked like, it was, like, shadowy thing, had wings, big eyes. And then every kind of report afterwards of people seeing it, it got more codified. It was, like, those three things and this and this and this. So now say. suddenly, anytime you think you've seen a Mothman, you see what everyone thinks a Mothman is. So it's one of those things of, like, I don't know if you guys know about, like, tulpas or thought forms, or, like, everyone collectively thinks that something exists in this particular way, so it does exist in this particular way. I see. So, like, of course, like, if someone, if it was, like, a small, you know, a weird fae or a fair folk or something came along today, we'd be like, yeah, get out of here. But if you see kind of a government man who's wearing stuff that maybe doesn't quite make sense because they don't really know what clothes have significance for, it's a little bit more believable. So that's the form that they would appear as. Bright lights in the sky have always been around. You know, weird floating orbital bodies have always been there. So the only thing is, like, instead of it coming from far away, it's just always been here just from a different angle. Um, So that's kind of what I think Mothman is, in my opinion, is Mothman is more just a symptom of these other ultra-terrestrials being in the area doing their weird shit. Mothman doesn't necessarily, like, seem to have a purpose. Any reports that people have had of it were just, it was there, it was watching us, it was flying at us, and everyone has always said, like, yeah, there is an aura of fear. I'm always, like, you feel afraid, and you can't really rationalize why. Now, granted, we this is a giant fucking Mothman, but, (laughs) like, even without it, they were like, I just felt fear, and then I saw it, you know? Of this thing just lurking and existing. Now, fast forward a bit into December, because Christmas time, because this is a Christmas tale. This is a this is now officially a Christmas episode, so yes. I will now officially be releasing this episode yeah, in December. <laughs> oh no! Oh, it's gonna be sad then. Uh, oh no! Sad Christmas tale. Like it, like any proper Christmas story, it's depressing. Oh no! Um, that was 
So we're gonna talk about uh, Did the get soup. Stuck on a light. Not exactly. <laughs> so I, there... I, I want to hear more of this mob yeah. come into it. So there's the uh, the Silver Bridge, which we talked about a little bit. Yes. It connects Point Pleasant. It goes across the Ohio uh, River into Ohio. Um, it was a very busy bridge and been around for quite, I think it was built in like the 20s or 30s. And anyway, on December 15th, it was, as it was on most times, kind of loaded down because it was busy, rush hour, people getting in and out of work. And then it was later discovered, I think in 1971, um, enough research had been done. And Ibar, uh, that was part of the support for the bridge, ended up uh, just failing. And what happened was the entire silver bridge collapsed. Oh no! Like a steel, uh, I, like a steel I beam. Yes. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit! And so it collapsed in the middle of the freezing Ohio River in the middle of December. And people were um, on it in traffic. Yes. Um, all told, there were I think forty six casualties. Oh no! Yes, and these were, and as people said, like again, this is very sad and tragic. People were like. A lot of the bodies, people were still trying to find them. People were diving into the freezing water to try and find stuff. And a lot of people reported just seeing, like, yeah, you saw bodies, and you also saw, like, wrapped up Christmas gifts floating in the river and all that stuff. Oh, this is really demonic! It's very, it's very, so, the reason I bring that up is because a lot of people try to attribute the, the appearance of Mothman, uh, and the appearance of these lights and whatnot, and a few people saying that they had, like, premonitions of weird things or something before they happened. So people predicted this bridge falling? People are saying, people like to think that Mothman was like a, a harbinger for this tragedy. Like an omen. Like an omen for it. And whether that was just oh. being like, by Mothman being here, this will happen. Or some people say as like, Mothman is a, was a warning mm. of something is going to happen. Okay. Now, I don't necessarily buy and the reason I don't is because the main things that bring this up are John Keel's Mothman prophecies. Um, I will say it's an interesting read. It's also take everything there with a huge fucking grain of salt. There's Mothman prophecies? Yeah, because that's that's where that phrase kind of comes from. And it's a thing of, it makes sense if you're writing a story and you need to wrap things up. So, of course, what happens in that town around the same time a bridge collapses, how do you dovetail those things together? Mothman, yeah. clearly. Yeah, so it's it works good from a narrative standpoint, but from a here are things that happen, I don't really think that holds water. Especially because that is not the end of Mothman. Mothman, Mothman. Mothman is still shown up in places, and not just in Point Pleasant. Oh, he yes. moved. Uh, yes, actually. So he has been reported as being seen, or, you know, Mothmen in various areas have been reported seeing in different places. Apparently, um, some, like, Russian paranormal people said that uh, Mothman was sighted around an area that had, like, a power plant failure in 1999 in Russia and a few other places around the world. Most recently, he's been spotted in Chicago. Apparently, like, as early as, like, 2016, I've seen some reports from, like, 2017 going forward, he tends to be hanging around the O'Hare airport. So... And a lot of those reports are much the same of just, hey, large humanoid thing. Uh, it's just around. Scared the hell out of me. Who knows? Like, it's it's not a thing of Mothman's showing up, knocking on the door, and being like, hey, give me your money. Like, he's just kind of around. Now, granted, if you talk to the people in Point Pleasant, they'd be like, yeah, man, I saw the Mothman. He fucking he stole my tires. I don't care. 
Because Point Pleasant, it's a lovely town. It runs off of tourism about Mothman. They'll say whatever the fuck to get people to come in and look at Mothman. Mothman mugged me and killed my children. Yeah, Mothman's my cousin. I know him. Yeah. He makes glizzies at the cookout. Let's go. Uncle Mothman. Yeah. There are, like, very few things of, like, Mothman actually directly dealing with stuff. Uh, there was one person around the time of the initial Mothman sightings who does think that his German Shepherd uh, was okay. attacked by Mothman. Oh, I thought you say his German Shepherd was Mothman. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> now that would be that a night. that would be a fucking swerve. I, oh, I like man. that. I was oh poor. I, hmm. Yeah. Attacked is sad. Yeah, it's it's a sad day, unfortunately. Now, yeah. as for like, oh, is Mothman misunderstood? Is he actually like a good cuddly boy? I don't think so. I don't Aww. think he's malicious, but I don't think he's friendly. Uh, <laughs> he just wants to hang out and be unbothered for the yeah. most part. It's his own thing. Yeah. It seems like he's surveying, if anything. Yeah, it's a thing of, again, I think Mothman is more of a symptom of other things. So, uh, to be on the more skeptical side of things, uh, instead of uh, alleged cryptids that turned out to be animals, what if this cryptid is actually a completely different animal? So, uh, a oh. lot of experts have said, well, maybe it's a type of bird. And so, if you believe that birds are real. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Total conspiracy. It could be a conspiracy. Birds are a government-made thing that doesn't exist. They were made by the bourgeoisie. Anyway, uh, so, the two big ones that were thrown out around the initial sightings were either a heron, which can be found in West Virginia... They're large birds, they have big red rings around their eyes, and they can have somewhat of a large wingspan. Uh, the other one would be a sandhill crane, an abnormally large sandhill crane, uh, which is less believable because they don't tend to come around that area that often, but if it got lost migrating, it's possible. Those things actually can be around, like, person-sized with, like, a seven-foot wingspan. <laughs> so oh it's God. possible. But do they glow red? They have uh, the shape. They do. They do have the shape. They do have some red around their eyes as well. Oh, what okay. about those giant uh, bats? The gi- the giant huge bats. The, 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 the vampire. The giant bats. Vampire bats. No, the the, fo- the fox bats. The flying foxes. Flying foxes. Have uh, you they seen mu- the flying foxes? I don't know. They sound delightful. Like, let me look up. <laughs> let me look up a flying fox. The I want to see my They're boxes. like they're like as big as a human, and they have. Big I mean, it's, wings. Flying foxes. It's possible. I haven't seen one this long. Uh, that is just, in fact, a giant bat. They are some hefty boys. I want to see, though, in relation to, like, a human. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a little still, on the smaller side. So, it's big. Small, I thought they were bigger. Yeah. Well, the other, like, third option for bird is the most popular bird for any type of cryptid that you'll ever see. Is it a mothman? Is it a flatwoods monster? Is it a Jersey Devil? Is it a Goblin? No. Uh, according to experts, it's most likely a Barn Owl. Barn Owls are blamed for, like, every type of appearance of <laughs> any type of cryptid or, like, really? UFO thing. Because if you look at the face of a Barn Owl, it looks like a stereotypical a gray oh, alien. Oh, God. Barn Owls scare yeah. the shit out of me. They're meant to. Barn Owls are terrifying. I love Barn Owls. Well, not they if you're a mouse. What was that me. book series? Guardians of... I like tawny owls. I think they're cute. Those are cute guys. <laughs> we had a tawny owl. Okay, but have you in seen an owl run? Have you seen an owl? Yes. 
run? I have. It's Is very there cute. anything better in the world? Uh, no. Owls in they Georgia. They have little legs and they... I love it. Let me see. Uh, oh, fuck. Barred owls are in Georgia. I think a barred, a barred owl is what lived in my front yard. Oh, yeah. So there used to be an owl... That was just big and kind of brown, and it would it didn't scare the shit out of me like a barn owl would. Yeah, it scared the shit out of me anyways because like I would hear it at night and it was just kind of spooky and I yeah so I got to dissect owl poop one time. Ooh. It was so cool. It was at this uh, Girl Scout overnight camp, um, and we went in their little science cabin and they had gathered owl poop. And we got to dissect it, and we found little animal bones and stuff. Oh, nice. And my little, like, fifth grade, like, creepy self was like, fuck yes, this is amazing. And everyone else was like, ew, gross owl poop. And I was like, no, give me the poop. It was so <laughs> fun. It was so cool. It That's was so like. Weird. <laughs> but, yeah. It was so cool. I went to an owl cafe and found out I was allergic to birds. <laughs> <laughs> I was sick for a week. That's the government getting to you. Yeah. They're infecting you. Uh, but yeah, barn owls, they're responsible for every type of paranormal event. A lot, there are a lot of like UFO people, like UFO experiencers who are like, look, if you're ever in the woods and you see an owl and you think about aliens, that means you were abducted by aliens. And that's a, that's a fake memory. (laughs) And I was like, wait, yeah, I have, I have heard that. Also, uh, in Nome, Alaska, yeah. the whole, um, it was the white snowy barn owls, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, you saw, uh, in, was it Encounters of the Fourth, the Fourth Kind? I think so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah where it's yeah. all about how, like, an owl was the last thing everyone saw before they got abducted right, by yeah. aliens. It's what some would call a synchronicity, which is a very pretentious word that if you, so there was a thing that uh, when we initially talked about Mothman, which feels like years ago at this point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Might there, have well be. There is a show called Hellier on Amazon Prime. You can find it on YouTube. And it's about goblins. It's not necessarily... Season 2 becomes about Mothman and Injured Gold and all that stuff. Okay. But it starts off as about uh, little, little green ghouls, little goblins, And uh, they use the term synchronicity. If there is a drinking game of Hellier where you take a shot every time someone says synchronicity, don't do it because you'll die. <laughs> And it's all just one guy who is the pretentious filmmaker part of the group who was like, everything all came together. It was just a synchronicity. And it was like, stop saying that word. I don't think you're using it correctly. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Yeah. Synchronicity and modality. Those are like, those are paranormal and those are experiencer terms. You can throw those out. Buzzwords, man. Yeah. But uh, so I know that's very roundabout and very kind of confusing, but that's Mothman in a nutshell. It's... A whole big bundle of things that kind of come together, kind of not. And that's kind of what I like about Mothman, is that there's so many loose ends and weird questions. And, like, so many cryptids, people try and put hard rules on it and, like, get as many, like, solid accounts as they can. But it's sort of hard to do that with Mothman, because it's really hard to verify how much of what is said about him is accurate or was actually said. So people were like, oh, we, you know, at the time, we interviewed hundreds of people, and hundreds of people had these tales about Mothman and their experiences. But they didn't name any of these people. There's no accounts of them. Yeah, they like, could it be shows made up. up. Yeah, exactly. It was done to, like, pad out a word count on an article or something. <laughs> so it's, there's a lot of questions. And 
the skeptical side could be like, oh, they didn't see it. But life's not fun if you do that sometimes. <laughs> so yes. sometimes on things that don't matter, like a seven foot tall Mothman <laughs> with a fantastic ass on his statue in Point Pleasant, sometimes oh, it's fun to pretend. And sometimes it's fun to go to a small town that has plenty to offer and put some money in their local economies. It's okay. It's sad that people tie that to that tragedy. But if there's anything that's really haunting this country, it's poor infrastructure that hasn't been updated, and it needs to be done! Maybe not Mothman. Maybe Mothman's not to blame for that. Maybe just people, rich people pay your fucking taxes so we can get roads. Anyway. Uh, he's, I mean, he's not to blame. He was a harbinger of bad news. Exactly, yeah. He was a harbinger of, like, don't shoot the messenger. rich people, exactly. stop it. Yeah. Eat the Mothman. rich, not Mothman. Builders. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. Moth, yeah, Mothman is just here to let you know what's up. He's not here to do anything else. Just like yeah. every other kind of moth, right? They're just like fucking around doing moth stuff. Yeah, I can't believe I never knew Mothman was like semi-tied to extraterrestrials or ultra-terrestrials, which yeah. is something I learned about. I never, that makes a really good uh, term for fae folk, because I feel like fae folk encompasses so much, but mm-hmm. also very scary. Specific to only one kind of folklore. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Now, this whole conversation, uh, slightly off topic, made me realize that I also thought the chupacabra was real as a kid. Oh, yeah? I thought it was like some sort of Mexican hyena. I mean. And like, that's what I thought. And like, like, like a wild. Who's to say, Katie? Yeah. And Who's I also, until recently, thought that one was real too. I mean, do we have proof that it's not? Fair enough. I don't think we do. It's my question. Kelly Kelly and I were supposed to do, she went on a trip to Mexico and we were going to do like a Mexican cryptids episode that never never ended up, yeah, she would have her Okay. Yeah, that we ended up not ever having the time to record, unfortunately. Um, Because she got eaten. She yeah. got eaten because she's, 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 you know, she's, she's big girl traveling and I'm proud of her. Um, And I remember looking into the Chupacabra. The Chupacabra, Honestly, did not exist as a cryptid until like pretty fucking recently. Oh yeah, and I didn't realize that he's on that new shit. He's like the MTV generation. <laughs> yeah, no, the first sightings was nineteen ninety five. Oh my god, oh, that shit. was yeah, like that's so fucking. Ridiculous. He's a post Jurassic Park cryptid. I bet it was like yeah, nineteen ninety five. In Puerto Rico, which also, the reason why I wasn't going to do that is because he's not Mexican. He's yeah. Puerto Rican. And I felt so stupid when I was looking up Mexican cryptids, yeah. looking at the Chupacabra, thinking it was Mexican, and it wasn't even Mexican. Puerto Rico, hey. Latin American cryptids. Yeah. Well, apparently there are sightings of him in Mexico, yeah. but the original sighting was Puerto Rican. Yeah. But he, apparently the Chupacabra, which has various Was there only one? I mean... There's multiple articles know? about yeah. the chupacabra, and I just thought it was very interesting. The one I hate the most is the one that looks like an alien. Yeah. With the, with the big, like, alien-like watery eyes and oh, stuff. Ugh. Yeah, but I thought it was, like, essentially this. It looks like a little, like, yeah, hyena. A yeah. That's a Mexican street dog. Yeah, that's like a... A Mexican street dog is a chihuahua, okay? No, no, they're, no. They're not, it's not it's a like the breed. It's like the mangy dog in Coco. No, that's not even that one. That that one has a real name. Mexican street dog is what DNA tests 
call yeah. dogs where they just don't know what it is. They're like, oh, it's okay. a Mexican street dog. Ah, my, my dog is 1% Mexican street dog, which I think just means there's probably some other shit in here, but we don't really know the details. Okay. Yeah, people have like little blurry photos like this and they're like, it's a chupacabra. They basically, the whole thing about a chupacabra is that it's like an animal vampire. Yeah. It sucks the blood out of animals instead of eating it. It was the idea. And there's only so, one animal vampire that exists and that's Benicula. Benicula. I did read that book in fourth grade, <laughs> Bunny Kula. I'll never forget. So did you read Bunny Kula? I'm super lost. Okay, so Bunny Kula oh. <laughs> is, a, is a bunny rabbit Yeah. that is also Dracula. Yeah. It's a vampire bunny, and it comes into... And so the whole book is written from the other pets in the home's perspectives on what the fuck this rabbit is. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's not from the humans. It's the, it's like the dog and the cat, and they're just like, what the fuck well, is yeah, that? yeah, they gotta be with it, like, all the time while yeah. the humans are out. Yeah, oh, yeah. and it's, a, but luckily shit. it's in a cage, but it escapes its cage at night. Wait, and so this is a child's book? It's a children's book. Yes. And so if but, I go read it? Yeah, you can go read it in, like, yeah. an hour, probably. But uh, the my, the part that I was like, what? I remember reading this when I was nine, was when the human opens up the fridge, and their red tomato is white. It sucks <laughs> the red oh, yeah. out of the tomato because it's a vampire rabbit, but it still eats vegetables. <laughs> oh, and the adventure continues. At one point, the, the human family goes on a vacation, so the dog, the cat, and the bunny are put in a, in a kennel. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. It's big scare. It's real suspense. You wow. want that big scare? Benicula. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. We should buy the rights to Benicula. Make sure all the books go out of circulation, then just be like, no, Benicula exists. Benicula. Oh, yeah, Benicula is we'll make, real. We'll make our own Let's cryptid. do a live reading. Of Benicula? I'm yeah. cool with that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. I like I'm that. I like that a lot. Like, you can be Benicula. I'll be the puppy. And Gothic can be the cat. Yeah, I'll be like the streetwise cat. There's yeah. so many animals that exist that are real that look like crazier to me than cryptids do. Yeah. So I will I will say yeah. a lot of a lot of cryptids make sense to a certain extent. The only one that doesn't is also the one that I hate so much. It's the most it's the worst cryptid and it sucks and I hate it and it's the Jersey Devil. The Jersey Devil can go fly a kite. It's also I hate the it. lamest name too. Yeah, that's the Jersey Devil. Look at him. What the fuck? Every I, other I cryptid, every other cryptid is, is throwing its books down on the ground, and calling it a nerd. And taking <laughs> isn't it? Uh, isn't Goatman like a terrifying one? Goatman's like a spooky boy, yeah. Okay, so I just the only thing I knew about Goatman is that every girl I've ever known growing up who believed in Goatman wouldn't let us say the name Goatman because they were so scared of it. That they were like saying its name, someone's it, and you need to not ever say it. And they like really freaked me out. And I was like, oh my god, okay. I thought maybe Goatman was attributed to Skinwalkers or something. Oh, Skinwalkers are other thing. Skinwalkers. Because I, I just remember uh, this girl saying that her grandmother like fully believed in uh, Goatman. And I was like, what the shit? That's really fucking weird. <laughs> Skin skinwalkers do weird me out. I will say that. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Kelly and I also did a, uh, a Native American cryptids episode. Yeah. She covered Wendigos, and I covered skinwalkers. And there were some stories I found online that were so fucking creepy. One other bit, which is all, it's one of my favorite things from like a narrative thing. Like I want to use it in D anD D. Is is the not a deer? I don't know if you've ever heard of those. No. It's a not a deer is basically like you see it out in the wild. Has antlers like a deer, legs like a deer, and all that stuff. 
but it's just you can just tell it's that's not what it is. Like, <laughs> that's, that's not a dude. That's and the thing is, like, it is clearly something trying to look like something else, Ooh, and that yeah. is deeply unsettling to me. Of like, everything makes sense, but it doesn't make sense, and that's just ugh, I love it. This not right. a deer looks like my dog. <laughs> Lumi is not a if deer. You can't like you gotta don't tell me that's not my puppy. Like she stands on trees like that all the time. This picture, this that's picture, Lumi. that's my dog. Yeah, your dog's just a not. That's yeah. my, this pic. Oh my! I always said Lumi was a cryptid, and now I know. She's, she's she is. Lumi is a fucking cryptid. Yeah, I uh, I definitely learned a thing or two about Mothman. Did you know anything about Mothman? Practice? I didn't know. I knew what it looked like. And that was... And it was a lot of fan art. That was the extent of my... I've... Cryptids, I know stuff from previous episodes okay. and occasional, like, Unsolved Mystery episodes. And that's about it. And then the occasional haunting episode. Because they do dabble in cryptids occasionally. I just hate how cryptids always end up coming back to, but aliens... And yeah. that's one thing I kind of steer away with cryptids from is because that's terrifying to me. Like, oh, isn't it another West Virginia dude? Like the uh, talking about the Flatwoods monster. The Flatwoods monster. Yeah, Where's which could also Flatwoods? be a barn owl. Really? Yes, but it was also uh, it basically the sightings happened right around the same time of what was alleged to be a UFO crash. Yes. Oh my god! Yeah, this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he definitely looks like a buddy. That's just a overgrown turnip. Flatwoods monster, so creepy. So it's also West Virginia folklore. Yeah, that was in yeah Braxton County. Oof. The Appalachia's Oof. fucking weird. Uh, to put things in perspective, well, it is like what? one of the fucking oldest. Yeah, mountain, it oldest was under. Yeah. Like, okay, so one thing I think is really cool, which I think you posted, was about how all the fossils in it are aquatic creatures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, even before that, you then if you go down low enough, you get to a point where there's no fossils at all. Yeah. It's not even older than, like, it's older than bones. It is older than organic life. Yes. Any and organic life. We all just live on top of it. <laughs> like, I always thought the Appalachian Mountains were, like, super lame because they weren't, like, big and pointy. Yeah. And then I read this one stupid Facebook post that was like, this is why the Appalachian Mountains are cool. And it, my mind was just, like, completely blown. And now I have such respect and Old Gods of Appalachia made it cool to me. What's yeah. Old Gods of Appalachia? It's a podcast. It's a, spooky uh, it's a podcast. They just call it a horror podcast. I think it's I think spooky podcast is more accurate. That's kind of um, how I feel about it. Our off, podcast. They're like, they're like yeah. hey family, and it's this very like southern like, just like come on, set a spell. I'm gonna tell you about a church. Yes. It, oh, but oh my god, the the like voice acting yeah is Ooh. incredible Ooh, and yeah. it gets into these like cool like witches and demons and different kinds of spooky characters and happenings and it's just really it is it is a truly really well done podcast okay. and if you like spooky appalachian shit like a bunch of it happens in west virginia i think oh yeah um like the old mines and stuff like that. West Virginia is just the place to fucking be for spooky it's a, shit. It's a very good podcast. Really I really recommend. It is a it is a trope now with me of any time I run a game, of any type of system. Chances are, even if it is not physically in West Virginia, spiritually it's West Virginia <laughs> because it always involves fucking coal mining. Yeah. Like, like no matter what, uh, I ran that was a. Uh, 
were around for that one. You were, though. That Cthulhu one I ran? Yeah. That was in West Virginia. It was yeah. a mining town thing, and it was basically... Oh, we never finished that. Oh. Oh, no, we finished that one. Did we finish? Yeah, because... Um, oh, it was a... It was a... It was. It was a one-shot. It was a yeah. one-shot. I think I have audio of it somewhere. We did do that. Yeah. I liked that one. That one was cool. Stefanzo, you weren't around for it. It's okay. It's all right. It basically turned into Scooby-Doo, which is another amazing of anything I run turns into Scooby-Doo eventually. Yeah, I was say I decided to look into Flatwoods Monsters since we were sitting here, since I, I do that. Sorry. No, you're good. And uh, yeah, they did say over over 50 years later, investigators concluded the light was a meteor and the creature was a barn owl perched in a tree with shadows making it appear to be a large humanoid. And I think 50 years later, they just wanted a fucking answer. Yeah. But it was that an entity was sighted in Braxton County, West Virginia, in 1952. So it was a real early cryptid sighting, yeah, actually. Yeah. On their farm, local farmer saw a bright object cross the sky, and boys went home where, you know, they told their story, and they decided to, you know, go in an effort to locate whatever it was they saw fly through the sky so they could find wherever it landed, mm-hmm. and... Um, I guess they thought it was like a falling star or something. I don't know, man. The guy's name is Eugene Lemon. Yeah, all, all their names are, are Guardsman Eugene Lemon. So the two brothers, Edward and Fred May, and their neighbor Tommy Hare, Hire, said that they saw a bright object cross the sky and land on the property of local farmer G. Bailey Fisher. Nice. The boys went to the home of Kathleen May, where they told their story. May accompanied the three boys, local children, Neil Nunley and Ronnie Shaver and West Virginia National Guardsman Eugene Lemon went to the Fisher farm in an effort to locate whatever it was the boy had said they seen. The group reached the top of the hill where Nunley said they saw a pulsing red light. Lemon said he aimed a flashlight in that direction and momentarily saw a tall man-like figure with a round red face surrounded by a pointed hood-like shape. If I can just say, about those names, those are very tame Appalachian names. Oh, yeah. Because I have relatives, uh, my grandmother named Sadie, Aunt Lova, Uncle Crowley, Vernal. Oh, <laughs> Ben has a Babbitt. Babbitt? Babbitt. Nice. Like the... Yeah. And Babbitt and a Bosey. Nice. Yeah, Babbitt and Bosey. Joe Dale. Joe Dale. Yeah, yeah. My family is just a little more of the... Nah. I mean, my grandmother was Maybell, Mabel, but they just called her Babe growing oh, up. Oh, that I was her that. name. I had an aunt that we called Toots. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have an aunt, Cookie, a great aunt, Cookie. That's a good aunt name, though. I call yeah. my grandfather Big Daddy. That's <laughs> so weird. Like cat on a hot tin roof. Big, no, Daddy. I, Big Daddy. I, I don't even know where that came from, but we all just called him Big Daddy. Okay. Big Daddy. Oh, I Is he obsessed with mendacity? Appalachian no, names was, are great. Nice. amazing. Nice. But yeah, apparently um, in an article for Fate Magazine based on his tape record interviews, UFO writer Gray Barker, I always want to say Gary, but it's Gray. Gray Barker yeah. described the figure as approximately. So some other dude was like, yeah, 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 this is what this is now. It's a 10 foot tall dude with a round blood red face, a large pointed hood like shape around the face. Eyes, eye-like shapes with, which emitted greenish-orange light and a dark black or green body. May described the figure as having small claw-like hands. Oh, just the little hands. Uh, clothing, like, folds. And a head that, re- so, like, the skirt is, like, folds in the skirt. It's got pleats. 
It's got pleats. Okay. It's a pleated skirt. Nice. And a head that resembled the ace of spades. According to the story, when the figure made a hissing sound and glided toward the group, so it like floated, I guess. Um, Lemon screamed and dropped his flashlight, causing the group to run away. So, Gray Barker wrote that, but I'm not super sure if that's what Lemon actually said. Hearing Lemon makes me think of the uh, Canadian drag queen Lemon. Okay. (laughs) This is so out of context, but I just think of this, like, really sassy Canadian drag queen who lives in New York who always wears yellow, like, talking about a cryptid. The group said they had smelled a pungent mist, whatever that means, and some later said they were nauseated. I know, but, like, pungent and, like, was it sharp? Was it what it smelled like? Like, pungent describes, like, that it was intense. It doesn't describe what it smelled like. The local sheriff and deputy had been investigating reports of a crashed aircraft in the area. They searched the site of the reported monster, but saw, heard, and smelled nothing. According to Barker's account the next day, A. Lee Stewart Jr. of the Braxton Democrat claimed to have discovered skid marks in the field of an odd gummy deposit, which were subsequently attributed by UFO enthusiast groups as evidence of a saucer landing. And then according to former news editor Holt Byrne, newspaper stories were carried throughout the country, radio broadcasts were carried on large networks, and hundreds of phone calls were received from all parts of the country. The National Press Services read the story number 11 for the year. A minister from Brooklyn came to question the May family. A Pittsburgh paper sent a special reporter, UFO and a Fortean writers like Gray Barker and Ivan uh, T. Sanderson arrived to investigate. So pretty much just people who are having their careers based around the shit were like, oh, I'll show up and... Uh, investigate and totally vouch for this stuff to be totally real. <laughs> yes, and in terms of, I'll show up, vouch for it, and maybe embellish some farts here and there about the accounts. Gray Barker, uh, who is also a noted UFOologist, uh, and is one of the people who was kind of at the forefront of the men in black kind of idea. He wrote a lot mm. of books about it. He also was the first person to write about the Silver Bridge incident. He wrote about that in 1971. Oh, wow. Um, Four years after that, John Keel used a lot of those same ideas when writing the Mothman Prophecies. Gray Barker also was, uh, apparently later on after he'd passed, a lot of his relatives were like, oh yeah, he doesn't actually think UFOs are real. But he knew he would would get paid to write about it, so he just wrote about it. Did you see about the crop circle thing being these, oh my god. I've known that that they're a bit of a, a hokum. So crop circle, okay, so crop circle origin is insane if we just have a moment. Like, I wish I had, I wish I had the full thing on it. So when Doug Bauer and his co-conspirator Dave Chorley first created representations, this is something I got from the Smithsonian Magazine, by the way, if you just want to know where I'm reading this, um, of a flying, they created a representation of a flying saucer nest in a wheat field in Wiltshire, England in 1976. They just had no idea what they were doing would be so intensely looked upon. So almost as soon as the crop circles became public knowledge, they attracted a gaggle of self-appointed experts and F, uh, basically just a ton of mystical and magical thinking, scientific and pseudoscientific research, conspiracy theories, and general pandemonium broke out. 
The patterns uh, stamped in fields were treated as a lens through which the initiated um, could witness the activity of earth energies and ancient spirits, the anguish of mother tree in the face of impending ecological doom, and evidence of secret weapons testing, and of course, aliens. But basically, these two dudes just thought it would be fucking funny, and then it blew up, so they just kept doing it. And just thought it would be great. And they just never got caught doing it. So a pro tip just for anyone out there. If you do something that is mildly cool and you just don't explain it, self-educated white dudes will bend over backwards to not think that a human could do it. And they will (laughs) attribute to aliens. Whether it's pyramids or any type of thing that ancient civilizations clearly and obviously did. They will instead attribute it to aliens because of some colonialist shit. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah. crop circles are cool. <laughs> they are cool, though. Like, yeah. They do be looking But tight, it's though. absolutely a hoax. Yeah. Like, 100% crop circles are a hoax. But the thing is, is that, like, the farms in which these crop circles happened in, mo- most of the time, the people who owned the farms were not the people doing it. Yeah. So they were like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. <laughs> Like, what is this? I'm so angry, though, that someone, like, fuck with my farm. Oh, they would profit off of it. They would charge people, like, money to come yeah. see it and stuff like that. Like, That's it was, true. it was, while I watched this whole video, I gotta go and find it because well, yeah, it was so what, good. What's great is, like, because a lot of times they're like, well, how can they do it? How can they do it unless it's from a craft? And they just show the two guys and they're like, yeah, we just get some wood planks and we run some rope through them and we just stomp on them. And like, it just goes down. Those dudes, that's how you make them. Those dudes, they just, they just, like, very delicately, like, laid them all down and made sure to not, like, step on it and, like, crack any of it to make it look, like, really nice and neat. Yeah. It's the... And that was all that was. All right. They're just artists who <laughs> just decided to do a really weird thing one time that just really blew the fuck up. All right. Hmm. Well, I guess... I think. Yeah, I think we wrapped up. Yeah. This time, our uh, we unintentional Christmas uh, episode yeah. of Mothman. Uh, thanks for joining us. Gossip, if you want to do any, like, where can we find you? Right. So, um, as I as was mentioned earlier, I do have podcasts. Mainly just look at Remedial Dragonomics. Because it's, it's out there. I'll do more episodes someday. I'm sure I will. Remedial <laughs> Dragonomics uh, is so good. I know. The, the, the title alone is 90% of the, is the legwork right there. I do like it. I just need to get back into it. Um, what it is is, uh, I mean, unless you want to describe what it is, but. So, I'm basically, um, growing up, I never listened to the Insane Clown Posse. I was not down with the clown, as the people used to say. Uh, and so, as I got older, I was like, you know what? I was a bitter youth. Perhaps I should, now that the scales have fallen from my eyes, I should give these guys a fair shake. So I try to objectively listen to their music one song at a time. Each episode is just about one song. And just how I feel about it and what I get out of it. Sometimes uh, sometimes it gets pretty deep. Sometimes not even a little bit. And I just talk about <laughs> what type of fried chicken I like. Um, sometimes it's just sad. Sometimes it's very sad. It's so sad. It's like, bro. Yeah, so, you know. That's a thing. Um, you can find me on TikTok, uh, Bardic Dwarf eighty nine. So I do Dwarf. some stuff so on there. Um, sometimes I'm on Twitch, Casa de Gogo. Uh, I want to get back on there, probably doing some like mini painting and stuff Ooh. going forward. So yeah, but I'm I exist. You can find me on Bing. 
Look me up. I'm being. I'm I'm imminently bingable. Find me. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I didn't realize that you have like a different username for everywhere you are. You're super gossip sixty four. You're gossip to go go. You're bardic dwarf. What was the number? Eighty nine. Eighty nine. <laughs> Smoking mirrors, baby. <laughs> on social media as always i did just um well i don't know when this episode's coming out but just know that uh at the very least there has been at least one exclusive patreon episode that has been dropped on norse mythology if that's something you're interested in uh you don't have to spend a bunch of money to be a patron you can literally just spend a dollar and you get to see the stuff it's whatever you want to do because uh we just thank you for your support and thank you so much yeah uh we will catch you next time and keep it creepy bye intro music by richie gaser from the phantom friends they're pretty good give them a listen